I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, I've had the time to digest the Matty Schmidt uh, loss, which he does feel like a bit of a loss. Um, I mean, he was leading by three, wasn't he, early, which seemed generous. I think that was more to do with people around him rather than what he was doing. Um, but then led all the way up to the 17th. Looked admittedly nervous basically all day I think um wedges weren't quite good enough and then no matter how many times I said on commentary that he looked calm he really didn't um and then Moronk steps up and does what something like Moronk does in this kind of field I think uh yeah I've been waiting for Moronk to, to do it again and um yeah quite frankly he was um no he was a different class but he was really he knew what he was doing didn't he yeah, and as you say, you look at the leaderboard, and uh, there he is. He's, he's. Uh, I mean, we were on a Tavy who yeah. just couldn't really get it going. Didn't do anything particularly wrong, just couldn't get it going. Jeff Winter, I backed at halfway. Um, again, he missed a couple of putts by a couple of inches, and sort of got a bit, got a bit demoralised by it. Um, Matty Schmidt, though, um, yeah, he's uh, a young Bernard Langer, isn't he, in terms of personality? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. Jeff Feinberg or Pat Mayer, but Christ Almighty, <laughs> he comes across as one boring golfer. Um, I don't like the fact, as I've always said, that he's 25 and he's using that putter anyway. Um, I think that, that shows you quite a lot. Not, yes, not a good sign, is it, to be, no. to be on that already? Um, and, and there was some some suspect putts. It was more his approach play than anything that kind of let him down. He, he had some beautiful drives and didn't take advantage of them. Um, <clears throat> look, it wasn't it wasn't terrible i think wrong so that's oh, going brilliant he was, uh, he was he was excellent for 99 yeah. percent of the play so there's nothing wrong with it i just i didn't enjoy watching him i i thought you know, had i been on i would have like not wanted him to win in sort of thing yeah. not not against you but i just i was like i don't get to watch a lot of golf because of just lifestyle and stuff i tend yeah. to watch the highlights and then look at the stats but oh, God, you can understand why non-golfers don't watch golf no i know i uh I was, this is the first final round where I was really probably into it for, I don't know, a good six, seven weeks, I think. Probably more to do with, like, being away and, and all sorts of other different commitments. But, like, again, probably just having someone in the mix is obviously going to make you care on a Sunday. But, yeah, I just, it felt good right up until kind of 14, 15. He thinned one, didn't he, into the par five where you thought, I oh, he got lucky there and, they were saying how brilliant the shot was, and then they realised it was actually a fin. Um, and the eagle putt didn't quite drop, and I thought that's probably like you probably needed that as much as you don't, you shouldn't need it to at the time. Like Moron could made two eagles and three birdies in like seven holes, like very hot. Oh, yeah, I mean, Moron was ridiculous, wasn't he? Yeah. Just so good, isn't he? Like I think I think he's had that massive chip on his shoulder since the. Since Ryder Cup snub, if you like, and before he wasn't quite channeling it the best. And then, you know, maybe it was just long enough now that it didn't really matter. And he was back to just playing golf, I think. And, and that was what he needed. And I don't know with, with Moronk. Like, do we think he's going to, like, is it is this a purple patch? Is it? Is, I don't think it's like a new standard that he's going to go and win a couple of times a season. So 
it just depends because he's going to be on the PGA Tour next year. It just depends how he evolves from that, I guess. I, I rate him. I, I've, I've yeah. always rated him. And um, again, we, we're going to talk about a few players this week that, that seem to have a think about it when they're in front yeah. or in a challenging position. Well, Rock was the same. Yeah. It doesn't take. It just takes that one. But it's like you know, you and Ferguson never won a, a, a tournament on the Challenge Tour. Yeah, you know, came out first tour and you know won this obviously last year and, and should have won another t- uh, another one twice and should have won another two. Um, so it, you know, it just t- sometimes takes that just one thing to to spark them into life. Um, I I think that was brilliant. I think you know he doesn't although he's got the length. I thought he was brilliant yesterday off the tee, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, he's got the length so he can compete over there. I think he's got the all-round game. I, I, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, win any of the, you know, top ten events, but certainly see him knocking in a few wins. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think, you know, he protect like Ryan Fox really um, took all that time to win and, and sort of hone his game apart from just smashing it off the tee. Ronk's doing the same thing, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I love him. I think he's great. Yeah, when you when you look at tour tips as well, like Moronk ranking for the week off the tee, 49th, but to your point yesterday, 15th off the tee, which is a huge improvement from what he'd been showing all week. Um, just goes to show that when he's got that weapon firing, he suddenly sort of turns his game around and scores the scores that he should do. And um, there we go. It, it was that kind of tournament. Interestingly enough, we, we were talking about Matthew Pavon last week, and I said, oh, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit. But I was saying, you know, we, we kind of write these players off a little bit early and... Um, you know, I'm starting to come a little bit more forgiving and maybe Richard Mansell will finally win. And he was actually in the mix. And uh, look, he missed the putts when he had the chance. I think it was maybe 14 and 16. And then he obviously bogeyed the 17th. Um, lucky to, not lucky, I suppose it was a good shot, but chipped in, didn't he, from the bunker on 15 to really keep his charge going. But again, it's, it's another final round experience for someone like him. And yeah, what's to come? Very, it's, it's honestly, the, 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 margins are just mm. they're tiny aren't they you know Dean Burmistad you know he couldn't do anything and then, you know, there he is. I know he's gone off there but um, there's loads I mean but then for everyone there's always ones that are, uh, you know don't make it Yeah. and they are forgotten about and they'll miss their card this week and you'll never hear from them again Yeah. Um, it's life isn't it mate there's a lot of golfers there there is it, it, just, it just takes that the right role of the right role like, like again you even have to look at yesterday you know, Morocco's eagle putt, whatever it was, 45-4, whatever it was, straight in the middle. I thought that, that I loved the course yesterday, to be honest with you. Mm. I thought the greens were absolutely bang on. But you look at something like that where he hit that, I think he got that eagle. Oh, he pitched in, didn't he, to get from 10 to 12, yeah. then eagled again. Um, and then we'll just go to Jeff Winter because obviously I was watching him closely. Yeah. And he had a couple of putts that literally just scraped the hole. And you are talking millimetres. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, and, and it's what you do once you once you get that luck, what you do after that, and how you react to that, that um, you know determines your next couple of years. Absolutely, and they, you know one of the big features of the coverage, and one of the people that's not going to have that kind of thought hanging over them for the next uh, season is uh, Chase Hanna, and the other one was John Monco. Both of them kind of played really well in the final round. So, I mean, Chase Hanna's locked his card up. I think Co maybe still a little bit. Vulnerable. He's only 113th on the world rank uh, on the DPL Tour rankings, but he had that one where he should have lipped out and, and it managed to find his way back in the hole. So, as you say, it's just it is just luck of the draw sometimes. And um, 
yeah, I, I thought it was a good final round, really. Actually, I quite enjoyed it. It was a typical DP World Tour round where people kind of go back and forth, but I think that's probably more golf than, than we realised. The only place that didn't go back and forth, I guess, was Colin Morikawa. I didn't see a single shot at the Zozo Championship, but he went from level par at the start of the weekend to 14 under winning it. Um, completely destroyed the final round. And uh, I guess gave everyone a reminder of, of what he can do. Did you see any highlights or anything of that tournament? Yeah, a little bit and pieces, nothing special. I mean, I, you know, we, we had Rio at a big price and, and yeah. he, I thought he played fantastic. Well, I mean, what, you know, he appears this week. I don't know, not quite sure why. I'm, I'm, I suppose it's possible that um, he's already got his PGA Tour card, so I'm not quite sure why he's there. I mean, it, you know, and he's probably, I don't know what he's there for. Actually, so we've got the Ned Bank coming up and then we've got the, What's it called, don't we? The um, the tour championship. So I don't know if he can make that, but um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But what I think it was the Lions. I'm not sure which site it was. And I read, and they they put it up that um, the course very much reminded them of. Uh, let me let the cat run. Hold on. Um, it very much reminded them of um, uh, Hard, uh, Harding Park. Right. Now yeah. you can't get a better comparison given what happened there. Um, so I can't remember who it was that said that, but they were banging on, and let's hope they had a lot of money on Colin Montal. Yep, absolutely. Let's go into this week then. They got one event this week. It's the Qatar Masters. Uh, different time of year to what we used to. I think we normally play this in kind of springtime, March, April time, and now we've got uh, October straight after a back-to-back in Spain. Uh, we were talking off air, Jace, about the kind of correlation of Spanish golfers doing well in Qatar and South African golfers doing well in South in Spain and Qatar and kind of merging these into the same part of the schedule might actually be beneficial for those types of players that that seem to string those results together. I think so. I think I think it's a fantastic move. And as as I'll just we'll discuss later with one of the picks. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a huge move. Um obviously it doesn't really matter in terms of conditions because it's always bloody nice over there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, the wind will count. You know, you and uh, one last last year in, in really difficult conditions in seven under, but generally you find 14, 16, 18 under wins this, which I think is probably where we want we're going to go. Um, it, it, yeah, a lot. It's really, really weird. Obviously, I mean, everybody knows that the, um, the correlation to links is every. You know, it's everywhere with Doha. Um, yeah. you know, Grace has won twice. Laurie's won twice. Bjorn's won here. Adam Scott's won twice, and you can go on and on and on. Ernie, Sergio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, um, but um, yeah, the, the the Spanish contingent do do well. Campillo's obviously won and been placed at the other course. Uh, sorry, one at Education City and one uh, placed here. Yeah. Sergio's won and placed. Alvira Quiros, who is, you know, was the I think he was the longest driver in the world at the time. Yeah. Um, He's won and finished twice, uh, second twice here, and he's obviously got that um, Rocco Forte form, et cetera, et cetera. He's like links through and through. So it, it, it's not as if it just is up for two or three years. It's everywhere. So have you got any links, Portugal, you know, Denmark form? Or, or, or If you can hit the ball long, although yeah. it wasn't that vital over the past few years, if you can hit the ball long and you've got links form and you're reasonably informed because you've just played two events in Spain, you're going to get a run, aren't you? Absolutely. I, th- I think I think with Quiros, it was first in 2009, then back to back seconds in 10 and 11 as well. So he was really 
you know dominant at one point and you say to back up your kind of point with the with the links link if you like it was uh chris wood and paul laurie in there as well and goosen and people like you know it's it's prevalent isn't it it's it's linked form and and the portugal thing i mean queros goes into that um eddie pepper goes into that harding i think had a decent result there you know it continues and continues yeah. so Coming. You know, you look at Harding, Harding for Kenya, you and Ferguson for Kenya. Yeah. There's all those. It's the same. It's, I think we've discussed the same. I do think it's really good in the calendar because, yeah. okay, last week wasn't Valderrama. Um, but that that relationship between Kenya, Qatar, Portugal, Denmark, it, 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 all, it all works. And um, yeah, I think you'll probably find that this week. Although, as we say, being the last tournament, there's a lot of people un, under the pressure of, of keeping their Qatar. I just, I don't see how we can factor that into judging a tournament who's going to win it until maybe Sunday when we see who's in contention. Yeah. Play out the politics. Absolutely. I think when you come to, to Sunday and you've got a card to play for or a win and you kind of tough balance and that, I guess there's there's that mentality you can kind of make a prediction on the final day. But trying to trying to make that pre-event is tough when they've had... 30 odd events to do it and, and haven't been able to tell you have they so um we'll, we'll go over that but let's look at the five players or six players that definitely don't need to worry about that up to now aaron rye jordan smith jorgen Olsen, all 20 to 1 alexander bjork 25 to 1 uh rasmus hoygaard 25 to 1 yannick paul 28 to 1 um we'll stop it there as that's the top of the market if you like seven players i was surprised First of all, that Alexander Bjork hadn't been pushed out. And I say that not as someone that thinks he can't do well, but someone that was actually quite keen on betting him, hoping he was going to be pushed out. That 25 to 1 um, is actually a late price. He, he was 20 to 1 all morning, really, and afternoon. Back to back missed cuts and coming to a golf course where he's not actually ever, I mean, he's been fine, 28 for 19, 48, but he's never really shown anything to suggest that he can win here. I thought that was quite surprising. I know he's the form player, according to. The rankings on tour tips and stuff but as i say back-to-back missed cuts his last two starts three missed cuts in his last four if you, if you go back another event it's uh i was quite surprised he's 20 to 1 but that's probably what we're dealing with now um aaron rye slowly getting that little bit of moniker of not quite getting into contention as much as he maybe should um jordan smith has been shaky again already rasmus i don't even want to try and predict what he's like um so that leaves me with Thorgan and Olsen. I just think he's rock solid this week. And you look at his course record. Missed cut on his debut, but then 59th, 22nd, 3rd, missed cut, 2nd, 57th, missed cut, 12th. So if he makes a cut, 3rd, 2nd, 12th, um, his last 6 or 7 starts, you then look at his kind of current form, and he's inside the top 10 uh, in current form, according to tour tips. He's made his last 8 cuts he did withdraw from the dunhill links when he wasn't playing very well but 17th and 9th back to back in spain 10th going back to the open de france 11th at the czech masters he's just been really really solid and as a player that's done so well on this golf course in particular but also in this part of the world um i was definitely fine to go with Hilton. the way he's striking the ball right now is is really pleasing he's been doing that for large parts of the season, look at his strokes gain approach numbers. He's actually first over the last 15 weeks. Uh, he was stretched out on tour tips, but his last kind of five or six starts, first, 66th, fifth, and ignoring Dunhill, 22nd and 12th as well in approach. Um, and then T to Green is very much the same, 6th and 8th, 16th. So 
he really is just hitting the ball really nicely, really consistently. If I had to pick one of those with the lead on Sunday, I think it would be Thjordjian Olsen. I think he's just that type of player, seven-time winner on the DP World Tour once this year, once last year, to keep it recent. I can't really find too much of a fault in him other than you could argue, Jace, that the price is a little bit short, but I think that's consequence rather than, you know, anything on him. Yeah, okay, it's hard to argue, isn't it? I just I, I personally don't like the price, and I, I wouldn't be on him at this price. But um, it's hard to argue against these chance. Yeah. One man's meat is another man's poison, as they say. Absolutely. I mean, look, the, the main thing I, I loved is that, you know, the, the Dunhill links is one of his better wins. He beat Brooks Kepka there. Um, you know, wind links form. He lost in a playoff at the Mauritius Open. People point to that as a bit of a correlative course. And, you know, everything that he's kind of done, Sicily, Perth, all that, um, you know, is great. And he was really rampant when he won the Thailand Classic earlier this year. As I say, just likes the Middle East. So, Thiorgan Olsen is going to kick off my card. Um, how close were you? We'll drop down a little bit now to Ewan Ferguson this week. Yeah. How close am I to Ewan Ferguson every week? Rare. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, great chance. Um, uh, the, the only thing I'd say is is that, that uh, not this easy to predict, but the, the wind isn't predicted to get up. And um, last year, he was the hardiest out of all of them of final day one in seven under, which is the highest total for a win, I think, in all 24 years of happening at um, Doha. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, he, he, for me, he's, he's, he's right on the edge of doing something special again. Um, I, I was very close. There's, there's quite a few of them up there um, between 20 and 40. But... You, you could quite easily. I, w- I was quite keen on Matt Wallace at a point. Um, I guess looks too short for me given his win record. I'm not sure what Bob McIntyre is up to at the moment. So, yeah, I, I think Fergie's obvious. And, and what else could he be? Um, I might have a look at a few match bets, actually, in terms of Ferguson against Bjork, Ferguson against Smith, um, and a couple of others against, against those sort of players as well, because I'm not convinced about any of those two. I think the best thing we could probably say in, in Ferguson's like not defense because i don't need to defend him but ferguson's credit i guess is the way i'm looking at it he's finished 10th 9th and 13th across his last four events and it's not really seen as like amazing it just feels like it's he's just plodding along um which is a great position for someone to be in if you're finishing top 13 in three of your four events and no one's really saying too much about how well you're playing it's a good sign isn't it? he did let france go didn't he um, he did, yeah. It was a fish well, he had a chance, which, which admittedly, this is a completely different test. Yeah. Uh, for me, this is this is where that. I mean, look, for for a lot of these, we talk about the links conditions. It's whether it, although it's links e, um, in sort of comparison, it's a matter of how it plays. And I think of what we know about him, when it comes to birdying, he he can be left behind. He's he's a much more hardier player than that. I yeah. think. Um, so no, it's not. He, he was there, and I look at it and go, well, if I back him at thirty-one, I still lose money if he wins this week. So <laughs> probably back to that four hundred times. So yeah. I've left him out, but um, I, I again, he's a player in, in total opposite to um, uh, your man last week. Um, I'd be happy if he won and I wasn't on. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I can't help it. What can you do? You know. No, no agreed. Um, just to just to back 
step just quickly. Um, Brad, who's not here tonight, he's not well. Hopefully he gets better soon. Um, he's also on Jorgen Andersen, and he said that his ball striking was excellent last week. Seems to be trending in the right direction. Good course trim, second and third here in the past, and stands out as the best option at the top of the market. So um, if Brad was here, he'd be singing the same hymn sheet as me, which would be nice. Um, let's look at this, le- this this next bit of the market before we come into our next selection that we both agree on. Um, so you've mentioned there about Langas being too short. You were sweet on Wallace for a little while, but didn't go there. And then you've got Ategi and Raya Hitsasune, who's just coming back from a sixth on the PGA Tour. It's a tough, it's a tough part of the market where we could definitely see Ategi, Rio, Wallace, all all three of those. I think you can see. You wouldn't be surprised they won. I'd be surprised. I think if Lane Gask won, despite his obvious claims in terms of form. But like that little trio there between kind of twenty-eight to one and thirty-five to one. Is, uh, is an interesting part of the market, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was very definitely, a take would have been a better price. I know you said earlier to me that it was 35, maybe bigger even earlier. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I thought he timed his defensive perfection last week. It just didn't happen on payday for him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether he's going to be outdriven. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I just, I'd be scared of a take in and I'd be happy if, if he was sort of in the top 10 going into the halfway stage, I'd probably have a good look at him as was right. Yeah. But there's, there's too many there. And um, I don't know. I just let, I didn't, I didn't go there. You can't go for them all, can you? And so I didn't go for them all. No, I tell you, the 36 hole leader in here in the past finished 10th, back that with a 38. And then last time I played here fifth. So very definitely um, there. Lovely golf. He is. Yeah. Really consistent. I think, I think he, he's one of those people that probably, you know, right, there's question marks over certain parts of the market. I think he's actually right where he belongs. It would just be nice, as you say, to to be that sort of smidge. I mean, there is still 30 on the dot in a couple of places, but you oh, might he, want. Sorry. Yeah. He's Come a player you could definitely have a look at, and if you can get against Bjork or so, I thought that last week. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can get against against somebody like Bjork with taking, I'd, I'd definitely be looking. Yeah. No. I like Jordan, that. I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Smith, not Matt Jordan, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out in five minutes. <laughs> Let's go on to Matthew Pavon, who we both want to talk about. Um, talked about Pavon last week and how impressed I was with his win and and the fact that, you know, it's the argument for not giving up on people too quickly. And then all of a sudden, he's really easy to justify, I think, at this kind of price point. He was 45 to 1 when I was writing up about his 35 to 1 now, eight places. Still fine, I think, for me. You look at the correlative form that's been flagged up he's been second at the portugal masters second at mauritius open fifth there as well also been second at the scottish open and sixth for this year's dunhill to put into that links form which we all know and love um for this event and yeah i just i just i was really impressed with him uh slow start last week and then just bounced back really good form to to finish inside the top 10 again which is some going after winning your first event as dominantly as he did um, and I think you know he's been fine here in the past. It's it's not been anything like jump off the page, but he's been 28th and 27th. I mean we're talking about I was saying that Bjork's form doesn't jump off the page, and he's kind of top of the market, almost double the price. And a couple of weeks ago's winner Pavon 16th for the halfway mark uh, on his second start here uh, to finish 28th and then 27th on his last part. I just think I just think he's he's there, and why not take someone that's clearly full of confidence in the right 
frame of mind. 15th and 20th last two weeks in strokes gained T to green. Um, not as good on his approaches last week, but overall, I think that Pavon really, I'm going to ride it, I think, until he kind of proves otherwise after that first win. Yep. Well, you've covered it, I think. I mean, I put him up last year. Yeah. I think around 40, 45 to 1. Yeah. It was a maiden then. It was based on exactly what you said. Grand Canary, Portugal, Kenya, Scandinavia. He's got, you know, he's got relative form. He's excellent. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, this year, uh, he, he's obviously even better. But even forgetting the win, he's three top 10 finishes and four starts at the start of the year. Yeah. He goes seventh in driver heavy Munich, 17th at Himmerland, which um, Tom Spion has won at and Ewan Ferguson should have won at. Um, not his fault. Um, and that, that correlates to, to an awful lot of players. Um, like you say, played well at the Daniel Links, although we're dubious about what that form is actually worth. Absolutely gagged up at Clubs Campari. You know, um, we've seen Pavon not play his best when he's been in front before, but he's absolutely, you know, walked over there as he four shots. Um, and like you, I thought last week maybe he'd just have a an off weekend. He doesn't really need to do a lot. 68-69 over the weekend. Finishes alongside Atagi and Ollison. Um, so in terms of the way we think both of those are going to play this week, it reads perfectly well. He's long enough to compete with the sort of the longer ones. He's currently third in scrambling, uh, and around the green, he's averaged 13th over his last three starts. That works lovely here. Putting average six fourth eleventh or 22nd first and fourth for strokes gained, and a um, bit like Ferguson who won um, two events in relatively quick succession. I know they're obviously opposite sides of the calendar. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I don't see why. We know he's been talented. He's been talented for a couple of years now um, in terms of a, a, a very talented European tour player. Um, and I think there is, I don't know how, look, I don't look at the points thing and shit like that because I'm really not interested. I'm only interested in the form and what we're looking at that week. Yeah. But in terms of getting your PGA tour card, exactly. you've got uh, Yannick Pauls in 17th, one away from Marcel Seen, and Matthew Pavon separates him and Rasmus Hogard. So yep. this could be huge. I, I've no idea if you get 60 points for this or 500. I've got no idea on top of that. Um, but it's quite interesting. They, they, they surely must know those three, um, along with the main on gas. Let me get a bit rare. But um, they surely must know that they're, they're hunting up. Uh, I mean, you've even got Ollison, haven't you? Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how many points are here, Tom. If you find that I don't know. But you've got Ollison, it goes Ollison, Luke and Seam have got the last three cards at the moment. And then it goes Yannick Paul, Matthew Pavon, Rasmus Hogard. And I I I don't know. I think Pavon knows, mate. And um yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I haven't actually got the points in front of me. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works. I mean it changes for every single tournament, doesn't it? And they allocate it based on things. But the the the, the point is that you know, you, you famously made a formula I don't need to make anymore, is that basically, I think Loughton and Seam, I mean, I just tweeted about this before we come on, like, Yost Loughton and Marcel Seam could conceivably have PGA Tour cards for 2024, or you could have Yannick Paul, Matthew Pavon, uh, and Theodore Yost. It's so it's, it's a funny old system. Uh, did you see the thing that came out earlier as well, that the PGA Tour players that finish outside the 1-2-5 are going to get a chance to play yeah. Do you know what? Look, right, I get it, and I I, yeah. I understand it, and it's important. But as far as I'm concerned, I haven't got the time or worry to 
concerned. I, I'm not. I mean, I just no. haven't. You know, my, my job is, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's uh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be an all trade it could be a golf tournament. It's a golf tournament we're talking about. Yeah. And the idea is to study this golf tournament, the runners and riders. Like yeah. I said, I worry about the how they're going to play in contention on the Sunday, should they get yeah. there. Because I'm not sure how it affects them on a Thursday and Friday. And and you can just get involved too much. And, and at the end of the day, there's, a, there's a, a, a few rules for this tournament in particular. And um, that's how I narrow the field down. And it's prices and job done. I can't be involved in, I'm not that bothered about the politics of golf. It's, it's just, Man. it's so boring now. To be honest, since Liv started, and it's nothing to do with Liv, um, it's just got boring. And, and I, I, I really, really don't care. Man. Absolutely. I'm happy to say I'm happy to discuss about it, and, that, yeah. and at the end of the year, if I'm doing my six to follow or my ten to follow for next year, it will come into it. Yeah. But in terms of analysing a week by week tournament, I don't think it's of any relevance whatsoever, and, that, and that's my job. So I'll just concentrate on that. Yeah, I think I think the the thing that I kind of do in in that respect is I might analyse it after the fact, but I've made all these picks, and it just happens to be that Matthew Bond is now two shots back or two places back of a PJ Tour card, and if anything, I just feel a little bit more comfortable that I know he's going to be absolutely pushing for it over the weekend. Like, that's it. It's a bonus, right? And I think that's just how you've got to treat it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with all that aside, like, credit to Yosel out of the Marcel scene for the seasons they're having. I mean, to be, you know, getting PJ Tour cards, top 10 players without a card so far this season, um, you know, 40 years plus without playing. I think they both played the Open Championship, but nothing else, really. Um quite miraculous so um i don't know how i have no idea how how that's happened (laughs) no i haven't i just don't know how it's happened no no idea um but there they are marcel seam is flying and he's actually the same price as pavon in the market so if you like him then then i like like seam i think he's he's a fantastic character brilliant and tip assist to your man let's put it like that yeah absolutely um Let's go into Brad's second pick, which is Thriston Lawrence, who is 55 to 1 with eight places. And he basically says on Thriston Lawrence that he put in a solid performance last week. He gained strokes across the board. He finished 21st here last year on his course debut and was 10th going into the weekend. So obviously plays better for a run there. South Africans have got a good record, as we pointed out, at this golf course. And he thought that the price looked big for a three-time DP World Tour winner. Um not a lot that I can disagree with there, Jace. I think um, I spot on analysis. There's, 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 there's plenty. I mean, uh, like we said, I think there is actually a case for an awful lot of these and, and look at that and go, well, they're winners, so why are they priced as they are? I think, I think there is a, as you say, there's a case where, you know, you could lay the top ten, yeah, um, <clears throat> and sit there and see what happens. Um, and if you think that, or top six, top seven, top eight. If you think that, then there are there have to be cases made for those sitting, you know, between whatever price and three figures. There have to be. Yeah. It was just the nature of the beast. So, um, yeah. Well, what else can you do? Yeah, I like Daniel Hillier in this range. I thought he was interesting. Um, I'm not going to go there, but he was one I definitely looked at. Um, Lorenzo Vera's half the price of what he was, and he, you know, admittedly belongs at that point of the board. And then we talk about the most, what we thought were going to be the most picked golfers this week. We sort of discussed this yesterday as the final rounds were finishing. Um, I said that it would be Chase Hanna based on the fact that he romped home yesterday with a really strong round and he's got his card and he finished second here last year. 
he's coming from 100 odd to 1 to 70, 80 to 1. And the other one that you highlighted, Nick Backham, Joe, so there is some 80 to 1 about him, but you can get 66 to 1 eight places. Um, he's right next to Marcus Armitage in the market, who I tweeted about earlier. When Armitage was 125 to 1, I think it's pretty straightforward. You pick him. Um, when he's 80 to 1, I think you have to start questioning it because I don't know how much winning upside's there. Whereas someone like Nick Backham, Jace, who I'll let you talk about, like, because we don't know his actual ceiling yet, and it feels like there's more winning upside so far from what we've seen, it is probably better to go with him in the market, I think. Yeah, I think Beckham really impressed me. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if it was over just a, a select number of holes, I was very impressed last week. I know that um, yourself and certainly Brad um, uh, have been on him in the past. Yeah. Um, his amateur form is, is, is excellent. Well, most of his amateur forms is excellent, to be honest with you. It, I, I think the thing with Beckham is it's easy to see him as just a bombing driver. Mm. I think he's fourth for driving distance on the European Tour. Um, of course, his one win was at the 7,700-yard Stein City, uh, where he beat uh, Duplissi and Zander Lombard, which are fair enough guides for something like this this week. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go back to see his, or back far to see his amateur um, form. Um, he was part of the German side that won at Hilversum. That, that's right, isn't it? Hilversumshi. Hilversumshi. No, no, what um, he said was, was right the first time, I reckon. Hilversum Dumsch, yeah? Yeah. Whatever. Right. Okay. He was part of that. He was part of the one in Holland, right? Um, and Matty Schmidt was part of that side as well. We actually won the individual that day. Yeah. And then not long after, he's you know they finished one two at the European Amateur. So you know that's the European Amateur. The year after that, Ludwig Gayberg finished third, uh, finished second. So we know that, that that is top top grade form. All right, Schmidt might not have you know um, won last week, but he's certainly not disgraced himself in in a very similar field and at a track that we think although it's not directly comparative, is Spain, and therefore it has some relevance. Um, you know, if you take that further, Matty Schmidt was in third place at Stein City in 2022. So, um, obviously, you've got the driving prowess there. This place, if there's no wind, really, should be should be open to the drivers to attack. Um, he was third after day one at Himaland this year, finished 35th, but he was third after day one. Um, I like Himaland. Fourth at the Czech Masters, which is where I thought to myself, well, there's the player that I've got back when, when he's allowed to open up. Uh, at the Czech, he tied with Ludwig Aberg and uh, McIntyre, who's got four weeks with Euro Ferguson. Um, that was dominated by length, it always is. Obviously, Thomas Peters loves the Czech Masters, and he's got desert form in abundance. Um, so, yeah, and then he goes on, and, and latterly, he finishes seventh at the Irish, 20th at France, 25th at Spanish. And then last week was... I thought was, was excellent. He was second, fifth, and fifth after over the first three rounds. Um, went a bit wayward with his driver in the final round, which won't matter as much this week, I don't think. But even when he did, he actually wasn't that bad at all. Um, the tenth, which was the hardest hole on the course, I don't know if you saw this. Um, he went out of bounds and uh, ended up with just an awesome bogey, thirty foot putt for bogey. Came out on the short eleventh, smashed one down there. 49 yard pitch, two foot, and birded it. And I thought, you know, the, the fella's got a game. He, yeah. He's got more than a game. And and when you do think back to the players like Alvaro Kiros, who used to have that advert that I can't remember, he was like the biggest name in like the book for driving distance. You know, he won events that that you did need a bit of touch as well. You yeah. did need a quality to agree game. Um, 
and Beckham gives me that sort of Kiros, uh, Adrian Moronk, if you like, type of type of vibe, really. Um, I think he's got a little bit more to him um, in terms of course form, which you'd normally want. I think I said this earlier. Um, normally, this takes place or has taken place in January and February. It then moved to March. So rookies on tour, relative rookies on tour, would have only had six or seven uh, events, if that, before they got here. Yeah. Well, now they've moved it. He's had 23 this year um, with a victory behind him in form. I wonder whether having more experience on tour and establishing yourself has a quite a big effect on on whether a debutant can win round here now. Um, that's the view I'm taking. Nobody else is. It's just why I'm taking it. Um, <laughs> I don't care. Um, so there we are. That is my case for Nick Beckham. No, absolutely. And just to add to that kind of um, analysis, there you're talking about Kenya a lot earlier. Uh, he was inside. He was he was one back after the first six holes at Kenya earlier this year. So just just the way that he's, I think he's showing that he Look, is capable this level. Like as simple as that. Like he's learning, you know, isn't he? He's learning. He's learning yeah. to be more than just just. Uh, you get a lot of amateurs, don't you? That that's weird. I mean, we we discussed um, the amateur champion. Oh God, every week I forget his name. I don't know why. The South African. Um, yeah. The one amateur that came out and led the open again, same sort of thing. I mean, he's known for his driving, the, the focus is on his driving, and it will be, it will be for the first first few years or the first couple of years, anyway. Um, and slowly and slowly, when he learns not to get carried away with a hype and people asking about the length of his drives, then he'll learn to play a game. Um, but you don't win, you don't win amateur championship just by being able to drive the ball a long way. That's for Bryson and the long drive championship, yeah. isn't it? Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I just think he's learning. Whether it's whether it's enough for this year, I don't know. But um, I really liked him over the weekend. Tweeted, texted you, and said that I liked him for this weekend. I'm happy with the price, so I'm on. Yep. No, I think there's definitely there's definitely an exciting factor around him, and just thinking, as you say, a massive improver and definitely possible. Um, Jace Matthew Jordan is. I don't know. What, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I just think he's back playing the golf that I like to see from him again. Um, I just worry about that winning upside, but he, he's slowly improving in the last three events, and it sort of came to fruition with a thirteenth good final round last week. And he's obviously played well here in the past with a fifth on debut. Yeah, I, I think this part of the thing is difficult. I think when you, I know Mantle played well last week, but I'm not back in fault. He's got Gavin Green, who also now similar time playing in the bloody wind. Um, he's 55. And I, I, I found this quite a difficult set of figures, but then I looked down and Jeff Winter played well last week, um, but I'm not, just something about his, his driving distance that, that worries me, even though I, I, I you know, he did play terrifically well, Tita Green. And then I saw Matt Jordan at uh, that sort of price. He's next to Callum Shank, really. Of course, this really should be soon as well. But Matt Jordan, yeah, we, we've all said it. We've said it for 100, 100,000 years. Um, if he's ever going to win, it's going to be on a course that has Link's um, uh, attributes. Yeah. Um, and, of course, he led here with Moronk um, last year after yeah. three rounds. Much more difficult course. He did look completely out of his out of kilter last year, though. Having said that, Moronk shot plus three as well. Final yeah. round, and and look how he's come on this year to be um, totally different class player. Should play the Ryder Cup. 
But anyway, there we are. <laughs> um, so Jordan, Jordan's played here once, was fifth, led after three rounds. Um, and then I think he hit seven bogeys his final round. Um, we'd like to think that he's going to learn every year. I mean, he's getting, I mean, he's only 27, but he does seem to have been around for ages. But I think that's probably because he had such a great um, junior and amateur career. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's why. Maybe we heard of him when he was too young and there was a lot of pressure on him. I'm sure he'll come right, just like Bavon, just like Moronk. Um, but like you say, if you look throughout his his career, you know, um, 15th at Hillside, I think he led after the first round uh, way back in 2019. 5th uh, in uh, Made of Denmark, where he led after three rounds. He was 4th in the Challenge Tour final and then he kicks on to this level. He's 3rd and 5th in Portugal, I think. Um, which reads perfectly well. 15th at the Italian, which is driving course. 12th at the Irish, 18th at the Scottish. 13th at Raz. It's just everywhere. He was 6th after third, three rounds at Kenya this year. 5th after three rounds at Scandi. 17th in Himalayan. 10th at um, Hoylake. Uh, it's just there, isn't it? 15th at Sudal. 4th again in Himalayan. Top 10s in Kenya. It's just constant with, with Matt Jordan. Um, he may have to put his nose in front on the line, but I, I, I thought there was enough there. I thought I could have seen him at 50. And yeah. I, I think you might have said, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. And the place part, but the fact that he was bigger than this, but the fact you can get 70, um, 66, that's that sort of price. There was an 80 million bet, top yeah. six. I, I thought, I thought um, he was well worth a go, given conditions should be right up his alley. I think as well, and look, this isn't going to say that he's going to be able to win because it's a completely different prospect, but actually how well he played at the Open Championship with all that kind of microscope on him. He, he hit the opening tee shot, didn't he, at his home golf club, and I thought you know, he had a bad round and bounced back from it nicely, finished the week off decently well in good you know, in good company. I, I, I was impressed with what he did there, and look, nothing's really transpired since, but played well last week, and, and just finding those cuts again is... He's important, as we say, he's, he benefits from the type of course. He played well last year, and yes, he, at the moment, he's only got kind of bad memories in contention, but that's the case, as you said, for, for Pavon, for Moronk, for Jordan Smith until he did it a second time. Like, it, like it, it takes Ryan Fox. It takes a while sometimes for these players. Not all of them can come out of 22, 23 and do it, and, you know, it is what it is. It, he, he's got the attributes to play really well, and it's a good golf course for him is the main takeaway for me um, in that respect. Talking about Chase Hanna earlier, um, Brad has gone with him. So very much kind of what I spoke about earlier. He secured his DPR tour card last week, closing round of 66 to finish fourth. Much more relaxed this this week now. And then comes back to a course where he was second last year. And he, you know, nicely points out that looking at his form, you know, generally on tour, he can be quite streaky. He finished sixth at the British Masters last year and followed up with a fourth at the Sadao Open. Um, and after last week, it's clear that he enjoys a windy test, which he could get here. So, yeah, completely agree. Um, the the obvious caveat to all of it is the fact that he's coming from 100 to 75 to 1, but there's not really much Brad can do about that. There's not really much anyone can do about that. You can get 80 to 1 to eight places, actually. So it's not too big of a drop. Um, it's just the same as, as the Marcus Armitage kind of argument for me is, do I believe they're going to win and... You know, in Armitage's case, he's gone from 125 to 80. In Hannah's case, he's gone from 100 to 80. It's it's a similar argument. Same with Adrianaus. He was 150 to 1 this morning, Adrianaus, now 80. Um, just a lot of popular players around that kind of price point that 
you've got to decide when when you cut them off. I've cut Armitage off. Um, I don't know whether Brad would cut Hannah off. Have you got any shorts here? I would assume he's still going to go with them at 80 to 1. Uh, not a massive, massive drop from 100. Um, and I certainly wouldn't go from Marnells from 150 to 80. So um, thoughts on the kind of biggest movers there from me. But one player's price who stayed pretty consistent all day. Um, I might be the only person that's that interested in him. But Sean Crocker, 90 to 1. Someone I keep coming back to. And I'm still convinced he's going to be very good at some point. Uh, fourth in strokes going approach last week. Sixth in T to green. He made both those cuts in Spain, 20th and 43rd. And he's now going to come back to a golf course where he was second going into Sunday uh, before finishing 28th. So, look, the obvious thing is that he was second going in Sunday and finished 28th, but he hadn't won then. Um, I, I, I just think Sean Crocker's got a bit about him and probably a bit to have another level than what he's shown. I wonder if he knows he's good and is just relying on that as opposed to really grinding it out. I, I, again, I wouldn't like to to actually comment on that because I don't know. But yeah, he went from, sorry, it was third rather than second, but he was eighth after round one, sixth after round two, third after round three, and he shot a Sunday 76 on his debut. But I just like what he's doing. I just I just think he's finding that kind of form again. He's hitting the ball well, which is everything you need from Sean Crocker. If he's, if he's in those ball striking stats of fourth and sixth, uh, you really should stand up and take notice, I think. Um, before he went on a little run of miscut, miscut withdrawal, he was 19th at the Scottish Open, 10th at the Barracuda, where he actually should have gone a little bit closer. He finished at Dunhill Links with a 67 after all the delays, 20th at the Open de Espana after a slow start, and then 43rd last week, where he never got sub-70, but was solid all week. So when he gets that putter working, I think he's really, really quite good. Um Bit of an, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he is an enigma or not, but I think he's just one of those players that I think a bit of a luxury player, maybe just has it uh, on his day. But we talk about kind of South African form. He's played by well the Alfred Dunhill second there. He's won the Hero Open first. He's second at Czech Masters where he can give it a bash. Um, 12th in Saudi to give you a little bit of Middle Eastern form as well. Raz Al Khaimah is fifth in the Challenge Tour final. So Dubai, he's played well a couple of times, eighth and 14th. I just like him in this type of you know, part of the world and this type of event. So Sean Crocker for me with the ball striking from last week, 90 to one, Jason. Yeah, you love Sean Crocker, don't you? I do. Yeah, he's like my, my, my Ewan Ferguson, I think. Um, just a better saying, so, yeah, <laughs> except, except Ewan Ferguson's won a couple of more times than he has, but he has got that win. So it's not like he's, we're talking about someone that's, you know, potentially never going to do it. Like he's got that hero and it was impressive. So when he threw away South Africa, wasn't the rock? Anyway, I do I do that sort of I do a horse form thing, don't I? I'm golfy. I don't know whether I should or not, but it's it's fine. Let's have a look, shall we? I'm pretty sure that sounds about right. No, Crocker threw it away, and he was Morocco. Yeah, yeah, he was seventy. Yeah, he was seventy-six. Sean Crocker was seventy-two, and Bezuiden had shot sixty-nine. That's right. That's right. I remember it. I remember it. Um, yeah, cool. You've got a good memory, haven't you? I don't remember that far back. Um, I was on base. I was on base. That's why. No, that makes sense then. Um, but yeah, look, he, he's got, I think there's just a lot of upside with Sean Crocker that we haven't seen yet. And I don't know if it's injuries, I don't know if it's just maybe a desire to get back over to the PJ Tour a bit quicker than he's been able to and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot to learn. I think he, he's, as far as I can tell, his dad keeps him quite grounded. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Um, but it's, it is what it is. He's, he's a good player and I think something good will come soon. Um and then you just kind of got a lot of a lot of triple digit players that you can go to. I mean, 
I've got one more definitive selection uh, in Will Besseling, who is 150 to one with eight places. I just think he's someone that's got a little bit of kind of hidden form. Um, and, and what I mean by that is just someone that's been putting two or three rounds together each week, but but not doing enough. You go back to the um, Czech Masters, he was fourth after 54 holes, finished 14th. You go back to the Open de France, he had two middling rounds of 69-68, which were really good there. And in the last two weeks, 35th at the Open de Espana, but he was second after round one and round two. And then last week, fourth after round one, 11th after round two, 10th after round three, and 26th finish. To me, that's just a, a sign that it can't be too far away. Uh, it does mean that he's also not been able to finish off four rounds, which is, I guess, a concern. But even here, the Qatar Masters on his debut last year, 21st, but he was actually 11th going into the final round. Everything just kind of suggests that Bessling is relatively close. 12th and 23rd the last two weeks uh, in strokes gain approach and similar in T to green as well, 22nd and 28th. So, look, it's slightly concerning that he's not putting four rounds together, but that's why you're getting 150 28 places rather than 66 on people that are similarly green as him, I suppose. I mean, he's been around for a long time, but just not got the job done ever. Um, but I like where he's done it. Like second at the Porsche European Open, big driver, heavy golf course. He's also done it in Portugal, the Madeira Islands. He's done it... Um, at um, Valderrama, so you can you can kind of mix it up a little bit as well. Did win once on the Challenge Tour, so it's not exactly a complete dud. But yeah, another one that's just played some good golf in South Africa, played some good golf in Spain, played good golf here already. So it's not the most confident of selections, but by the same token, another one's played well at the Kenya Open back when it was on the Challenge Tour. He just has enough 14 for the Portugal Masters to suggest that. Is probably a, a, an each-way place and, and not the same win equity as some of the players that we've mentioned. But that's why when Armitage was 125 to one, I liked him. That's why Bessling 150 to one, I like him. But if he got much shorter than that, I'd kind of jump off him. I think. Oh, it's not for me. No. Fair. <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to discuss before we go into some other options. Um, what do we think of Cabrera Bello at this point of his career? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got a second, two thirds, and a sixth here. So, in four of his eight starts, he's finished inside the top six. I know what Rafa Cabrera is at this point is is not the same, but he's made his last five cuts. Or he, I, don't, I think officially he's counted as a missed cut at the Dunhill Links, but they all played three rounds, so it's pretty irrelevant. Um, but he had a 67 second round that went well, finished 57th. He's had a 67 second round at the French Open, finished 20th. He's finished 64th at the Spanish Open, which is a little bit disappointing for him, but 34th again last week. He just feels like he's slowly finding something better. And I think it's probably just back in for a fast start or something because he's really used to the golf course and he's a type of player. But he's another one, Jason, over the years has absolutely loved the Middle East. Yeah, again, it's interesting the way they've moved it and, and what it'll do, moving the thing. But I do agree. We, if we had Colsarts at yeah. uh, the Dunhill Links, come, you know, he'd done absolutely fuck all, was he, really? Yeah. Uh, the whole year. And, OK, again, it was a bit of a ropey event. But um, 
you know, he finishes top 10 and was, and was up there for the um, vast majority of the three rounds. Um, and that was purely based on the fact that he loves Daniel Links. Mm. So, um, absolutely. You get Ollie Wilson turning up at certain courses, don't you? Yeah. Every so often when he wants to. So, do you know what? If you can get a price on Cabrera Bayo for, I mean, I would certainly back him each way. Yeah. But if you can get a price on top 20 or something like that, I don't see why yeah. not. Like There's it, a lot of rubbish here. There is. And when you look at it, like his season has been, a, by his standards, a pretty horrendous season. But Abu Dhabi 10th, Razor Kaima 13th, yeah, Thailand Classic 5th, Kenya Open 20th. Like when it's been where he needs it to be, he's done well. And actually, the fact that he's made, you know, officially four of his last five, but actually his last five, because everyone played three rounds at Dunhill Links, like he, he's been fine. So I think the 125 to 18 places, okay, we, we're slightly doubtful that he can even place at this point the way he's playing. But let's have a look at his top 20 price out of curiosity. Um, Four to one. Yeah, it's not worse bets, I think. I think he's just someone that can can definitely hit that kind of mark, and just wouldn't surprise you if Cabrera Bello was hanging around. Certainly not when you're looking at the course form. And as much as debutants, I think can play well here. And as you said, that the change in schedule might close that gap even further. Like I do think there is something that someone just you know repeatedly comes back, especially in the Middle East overall. So. Um, Absolutely fine with a little look towards Cabrera Bello in some way, shape, or form. It might even be, you know, top Spanish and take on some of the popular selections this week or something. I don't know. Um, he's about ten to one for that. So, yeah, bit to dive into there. Any others that were close for you, Jase? There isn't. A, there isn't an awful lot. I mean, I, I, I just a, a thing. You you did mention Kenya a few times. It's actually quite remarkable what Kenya does. Um, Really do need to look at that. Obviously, Jorge Campillo's, Jorge Campillo's one, but we like Campillo, but we haven't been on for a while, have we? Oh, I'll that's that's we can be on. Obviously, Campillo, Guido, Justin Harding, uh, Aaron Rice, favourite this week, has won um, at Kenya. Um, yeah, Ewan Ferguson should have won last year and obviously came out and win this. There's, there's, I mean, I, I knew Kenya was important, but I must be honest, as, I, as we more and more talk, it's like, it's very strange given it's tree lined. Mm. Um, as to why it would happen, but clearly it does. So, um, be interesting to see the result at the end of this and see whether that obviously Kenya is always played at the beginning of the year as well, yeah. Uh, whereas this used to be played, so uh, you know, there's quite a lot to look at, I think, at the end result and to see whether moving moving it in the schedule has made or how much it has made um, a difference to, to the form lines and what's going on, which is probably why I'm not attacking it as quite as much as I'd, I'd like to because I don't mind this tournament. Um, I just wonder, just wonder how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. Um, yeah, at the beginning of the year, it's just another tournament with people in form at Kenya, blah blah blah. Whereas now it's got more importance, but it's shoved over to to this side of the of the um, of the calendar. Who knows? I don't. One one of those things, are, one of those weird things, that when you're staring too long at tour tips, this is when you know you've been staring too long at tour tips. Chase Hannah finished 64th at the Open de Espana and then finished fourth last week. John Monco finished 64th at the Open de Espana and finished seventh last week. So if you can find someone that finished 64th last week, then maybe have a go. Um, just uh, looking do at, you know what? You know what? For, the sake of it, for the sake <laughs> of it, I'm going to do that. I know you feel well, while I find 
Well, potential candidates for this is one that I found already that we've mentioned already on this podcast, or you have anyway. Uh, Callum Shinkwin was 63rd last week. See, this is this is smashing around. He was 19th at the halfway mark, finished 63rd. Matt Wallace was 68th, but that's actually like 68th out of 68. Um, yeah, but that's not 60, you said 64th. You can't change. That. Well, no, I can't. But I can't actually. There's no one actually on 64, which is actually quite upsetting. Um, <laughs> 65, we've got Daniel Gavins. Um, so yeah, 65 looks like the closest. Come Shinkwin and Daniel Gavins. Or no, Shinkwin 63rd. So I guess you have to give a nod to Shinkwin for a couple of places better, haven't you? Mm. But that's to say that if you could just find someone that that managed to finish in the 60s last week dan heising 64th last week 39th uh, the week after um just just looks like 64th all yeah, right you found something here haven't you hmm. i don't know what or hey campio is 62nd at the open de Espana, 19th last week rafa cabrera bello 60 oh, yeah. for the open de Espana, 34th last week shankwin actually finished with a uh, a birdie oh sorry no daniel gavin's finished with a birdie even better Jace, Adriano, 64th. Does that help? 19th last week. Ah, uh, give up. I know, but this, for this 64 thing, that means that Adriano okay. went 64th, 19th. Rafa Cabrera, yeah. 64th, 34th. John Monco, 64th, 7th. Chase Hanna, 64th. Just finished 64th. Interestingly, interestingly, uh, Shinkwin finished 61st in Ireland and 7th at Wentworth. There you go. So he's basically going to go 63rd and then 6th this week. And he was 67th here last year. Oh, my God. It's like, this is like... Jace, uh, <laughs> Tapio Paul Cannon, 64th last week. 30, um, I did look at him, yeah. actually. I there did look go. at him. He, did, he doesn't care. He doesn't care where the ball's going. So. No, he doesn't, um, doesn't play well here. But, yeah, this 64th thing, basically just there was about 10 people that finished 64th, which I'm guessing was just, like, last of the people that made the cut. But they all did it and then finished inside the top 30, you know, the week after. This Shinkwin thing is um, slightly worrying me now because I, I did look at him <laughs> just because of the, you know, the obvious reasons, links and style of play. Um, yeah. I guess we've reached that point of the podcast, but... But uh, Callum Shinkwin, yeah, 35th, 19th and 67th at this golf course. And then he's made that magical 63rd place finish last week, which suggests that he's well... This actually worked. actually worked. Uh-huh. It's a bit like when uh, Hideki used to finish 13th every week, wasn't it? Um, no, 2021st, 20, you say, didn't you? 21st, yeah, you, you, you do correct me. Russell Knox was the other one, I think, did it for nah. weeks in a row. Um there you go. There's the tip of the week is find someone to finish 64th. Look who the best value is for an each way payout, uh, which I think might be um, probably Callum Shinkwin at this point. Um, what price is Shinkwin? No, it'd be Cabrera Bella, I guess, won't it? So who knows? 64. No, I, I think I think the Shinkwin thing is, is far, far yeah. more. Um, yeah, far more convincing. Oh, I think so. Given given his. Yeah, I think so. Well. Callum Shinkwin is available 80 to 1 8 places or 90 to 1 6 places. I mean, he's, he's, he, don't be wrong, he's like in conditions, he is a massive runner. The right player, yeah. You can ignore a lot, you know, what he does on, on courses that don't suit. Um, you know, I mean, he hasn't been fantastic. but um, Well, 7th seventh, seventh at Wentworth and 20th and a halfway at 
the Open to France and 10th after round one at the Dunhill Links, there's an argument he's actually playing slightly. Form the figures, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that, that's six. Seat of Green, Seat of Green, Seat of Green, yeah. fifth at Wentworth and fourth in France. Which you, you wouldn't have thought, you wouldn't have thought particularly. Oh. He was, um, his irons were absolutely dulled in there, but it's, he's very unpredictable. So, why not? I mean, you're returning to, to perfect conditions for him. Yeah. Hmm? Right, I have a point. I can't, I can't, you know, can't write about it based on the fact that he was 67 last you, year. I mean, but, you, but you can base it on the fact that every time someone finishes 64th, they seem to play well the next week, and he was 63rd, so he's actually in prime position to even win. So, um, Had he known that, I suspect he wouldn't have birded the last last week. Exactly not. He would have, he would have preferred to be 64th, wouldn't he? So it's, yeah. There we go. That's the new trend. If anyone asks me what the new thing I've identified in golf is, the people that finish 64th the week before are in prime position to make a run. Um, Lucky you don't get paid for this, isn't it? No, exactly that. Um, right about Tosh, really. You know what? Why not? It's part of the model. There should be, there should be a section that says importance of being 64th the week before. Nice. percent <laughs> um, Cool. Let's wrap it up there before I find any more kind of weird. Yeah, fantastic. Um, fantastic. My favourite bet of the week, or my shortest bet of the week, is Theorbjorn Anderson at 20 to 1, Matthew Pavon at 35 to 1, Sean Crocker at 90 to 1, Will Bessling at 175 to 1. Uh, Brad is joining, or I'm joining Brad, whichever way people want to look at it. Uh, at 20 to 1 on Theorbjorn Odison as well. He's also on Thriston Lawrence at 55 to 1, and Chase Hannah is now 80 to 1. I'm sure he got a slightly longer price when he put his out this morning. Jace, your final picks for the Qatar Masters, please, mate. Uh, we are um, on uh, 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 Matthew Pavon. I agree with you. Um, incidentally, uh, whatever he was, six Kenya was. Oh, can't remember that. That's why they were there and I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> Nick Beckham, um, who uh, was second, as you rightly described, at halfway at Kenya. Um, yep. At whatever price he is now, doesn't matter. Um, add what you want. You know, first 10, first 20, whatever it is. Um, there's, I think there was 50 or 55 to one available first 10. Um, obviously, better first eight. Um, and the last one is Matt Jordan. Who will be five clear and stop. And of course, Callum Shankwin, who's not an official bet, but we are cheering on. We are. Australia's famous 63rd last week, which is better than the model suggests. So um, there we go. Lost of Words betting podcast again brings out a new model. Um, if it leads you to a winning pick with Callum Shankwin, then you know you heard it here first and it's patented and no one else can steal it. Um, that's it, Jace. Nice to see Qatar Masters. Slightly longer than I expected to uh, but there we go. Yeah. That's what happens when you talk for ten minutes about people. Yeah, Nick, Nick Beckham. Nick Beckham. I really like. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's the best bet of the week at the price. Yeah, I think he's. I think he'd be a great replacement for me of my Marcus Armitage. So, um, definitely interested in the kind of fair exchange prices on him. Um, that's it, Jason. Thank you very much. I shall catch you again next week. Mm-hmm.